Welcome to the T-Hub Podcast. I'm Leland Steele. I'm Moby. I'm Shannon. Yes, we have our first repeat guest on the show. Very, very excited. Hey, I'm Shannon. so glad to be back. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know what black magic we casted on you to get you back, but it's... it's- it was Leland. I'm just going to say it right now. Yeah. It was Leland. It's, it's, Leland. it's the seal charm. Yeah, so. Well, I mean, <laughs> listener, this is a woman who legitimately created an I Love Leland t-shirt, which was printed by some godforsaken company somewhere. And she actually has this in 100% cotton. Um, yes, it just doesn't fit right now, unfortunately. Yes, <laughs> that's good to bring up because you are... I'm having a little one. Yes. And we Ugh. wanted to have you on the show before, you know, the the unfortunate baby took up. He <laughs> <laughs> took your time away from us on the podcast. I'll be back next year. You just have to have me back next year. That's all. We will. I take guarantee it. You can take it to the bank. I don't know what they do uh, with it, but yeah, you can take it I don't it think to the that's bank. quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we've collected, you know... One or two, literally, new listeners since you've last been on. So why don't you give us a bio of uh, yourself and what you do in the geek world? So my name is Shannon Parola, and I run the Game of Nerds. And it's a place where there is no shame in having a healthy obsession with a fandom. And basically, we give writers and fans the opportunity and the ability to share and talk about what they love in the nerd world and give them a safe place to do so. So you can find us at www.thegameofnerds.com. It's awesome. I've got you on Facebook. You know, I'm liking things and commenting. And you guys produce a ton of content. Legit we content. We do. Because we have so many. We have awesome writers. We have about 35 people on staff right now who are just, they are, especially now that uh, San Diego Comic-Con just finished, they're like going a mile a minute. <laughs> That's, that. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, you were such an ideal first guest. And we had so much fun the first time you are on. We're like, you can't wait to get Shannon back, so... Oh, well, I'm glad to be back. Awesome. Well, why don't we uh, jump into the banter segment? Leland, for once in the first, like, five preceding episodes, did you please bring something for banter? I have two things for banter. Yes. Yay. Two two quick things. Do you want me to go? Yeah, why don't we kick you off, then we can go to Shannon and end with my All right, well, my first one is, we'll tie into our movie musing segment, but I just watched on Netflix David Harbour's Frankenstein's monsters monster Frankenstein. <laughs> um, it's like a spoof thing. It's like a spoof auto, uh, or uh, bibliographer. What's that? Biography of um, David's father it, about this movie that he made about called Frankenstein's monsters monster Frankenstein. Um, it's it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I wasn't expecting very much out of it, but. Um, I like David Harbour. If you're a fan of David Harbour, you'll like it. It was pretty good. Who, who is Very, not a fan of David Harbour? I know. It's tough not <laughs> I know. To Come on. It's super tongue-in-cheek. And um, yeah, it's just like, it's like one of those things that is just utterly unnecessary, but in a good way. <laughs> one of those rare occasions. That's awesome. Yeah, I would well, definitely recommend checking it out. It was pretty funny. Okay, Shit. now I'm going to add that to my Netflix list. Yeah. Well, if Leland recommends it, it must be amazing. It must be six stars out of five. So, <laughs> so uh, Shannon, did you bring anything for banter? 
Okay, you guys are going to think I'm really weird. But of course, when I found out I was going to be on your podcast, I was like, okay, I have the perfect video game that I'm so stoked about. It's not even funny. So in June, they had a huge Ghostbuster Fest down in Culver City and announced that they're going to remaster the Ghostbusters, the video game. Don't have a date on it, but I'm so excited. I can't even see straight. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. What year? I, I'm not familiar with that game. What year was it originally created? You said remastered. So, oh, I have no idea the exact year, but I know I was young enough to play it, and it was like my favorite game to the point that I hit my brother over the head with a controller for to keep playing it. So I'm just excited to have that nostalgia back. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Is was that for like Super Nintendo or normal Nintendo or Atari or? Do you remember? Oh, crap. Now you're now I'm oh I can't think off the top of my head what it was. We've had so many systems. My brothers was one of those super gamers, so we had like every system. So now I'm like now I'm at the age, which shows my age, that I can't remember what system goes with what game anymore. <laughs> but Ghostbusters is coming and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. I'm getting Stay Puff, Marshmallow Man, and Slimer. That's all that matters. Nice. Copyright. Exactly. Okay. Hey, you get five <laughs> seconds before the no, copyright. No, you don't get five in. seconds. That's awesome. You, That's uh, cool. That is a cool band. Yeah, I got a couple. Um, I mean, listener who knows me at all knows my all-time favorite movie is Top Gun, Never to be Dethroned. And Top Gun 2 trailer came out last week. I basically like just dug into some rum the other night, and I think I watched it for like 20 minutes straight. I just like locked YouTube on loop. And... Then I watched it like Star Wars 5 and looked up like all these different mods that have been done in that trailer. I'm just so excited for Top Gun 2. Tom Cruise does a lot of his own flying, apparently, in that movie because he is actually a trained jet pilot. Because he's Tom Cruise, why not? He does everything. Everything else, right? (laughs) Everything else. So um, I'm really stoked about it. The, The one thing I worry about... Based off the trailer, it does seem like it relies too heavily on nostalgia and like all all out callbacks, almost shot by shot. That worries me a little bit. The other thing is, I hate to say my favorite character, Iceman, Val Kilmer had throat cancer a few years ago. He looks like crap. He doesn't talk like he ever did before. He's got this very kind of raspy voice that doesn't sound like him. He's apparently going to be in the movie. I don't know what capacity, but... uh, Mm. I just don't want my memory of Iceman to be kind of like a weakened old Val Kilmer who can barely move, but I guess I'm happy to have him in the movie. Hey, at least you, you know, you got a sequel. You got, you finally got it out, but I, I agree with you. I think it's going to rely heavily on that nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The other one I've got really quick here is this was originally really good news, that Edward Furlong was announced as he's going to be back as John Connor in the next Terminator. And that excited me until I dared to YouTube recent footage of Edward Furlong. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been battling the, he's been battling the big machinator and uh, he's been (laughs) losing that fight. So, um, (laughs) you know, he just does not look like the man who could save civilization anymore. Okay, so here was my thoughts on that. Do you think then in the movie they're going to play that up? Like that's going to be like, I mean, it would kind of turn John Connor into a joke. It would. But that's kind of like how they did with Thor and Endgame and made him fat. Yeah. Possibly, but like, (laughs) could fat John Connor still be 
badass because he's not a god of thunder. <laughs> John Connor no. ain't well, no Thor. <laughs> everyone's speculating since he wasn't actually at Comic-Con, and this is a late announcement, that he's going to essentially be cameoed and he's actually going to be killed early on. And in that case, maybe oh. he's out of shape and can't outrun the Terminator and just gets wiped out. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. That's somehow the most reasonable thing to have happen. Yeah, you're kind of right. That sounds that sounds reasonable. But uh, there's a lot of exciting movie news actually these days. But that's that's all I got for yeah, a lot of Marvel shit specifically. Um, oh your... yeah, Marvel just exploded everywhere for yeah. Phase Four. Yep. Oh yes, and we get a Thor four with Taika Waititi. Oh my gosh, direct... and a female Thor too. Not only yes. that. Yes. That well, yeah, and we get Jean back. Of course, yeah. and we want her back, and now she's going to be a female Thor, which was in the comics. It's going to be really cool. I'm just really looking forward to that. Yeah. What's your uh, last banter there, uh, sir? Just a quick one uh, about uh, board game news. Some of the the Spiel de Jars winners have come out. I'm just going to highlight Wingspan has won the, the Kenner Spiel de Jars for 2019, which is the, the connoisseur expert category of these numerous awards you know they have. I think just one won the the party game one, whatever it's called. Uh, but Wingspan was like a big deal uh, when it came out earlier this year. Uh, notoriously underproduced because of the demand for it. Uh, I think the the designer's name is Elizabeth Hargrave, and it's got a bunch of uh, like a female art staff, and it's this basically you're building this this bird sanctuary thing, and it's got this very pleasant aesthetic to the whole game itself it's it's a good game it has a couple of my favorite board game mechanics that i i like you know worker placement and engine building and that kind of thing um so i think it's well deserved i think maybe it's certainly overrated uh, i don't know i don't know but that was my quick quick thing you got anything else shannon um i saw hellboy last night and was really disappointed so that oh, that's no. about the extent of my <laughs> exciting news i was the first thing i've been da- disappointed with david harbour on oh no Yikes. was did he do an okay job himself i or? definitely he did fine i think it was the writing but it could be the fact that i just loved the first movie so much that i or you know the first original so much that i'm can't let it go but i yeah. just was really disappointed in it it didn't keep capture my attention i actually fell asleep for a good 10 minutes and then wow. woke back up talk about an insult you yeah. know you're falling asleep in one of your favorite ips it's like so. so that's that's all i got though you guys all right cool let's, let's move in sure sweet to you running this one that's right <laughs> just discussed that 10 minutes ago i, <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, old habits die hard uh, where's where's Marty when we need him? Marty, uh, I hope from heaven you're looking down. All right, here you go, Marty. Video game variety show. And this one is called Work is Fun. And this segment is in response, actually was inspired by the Game of Nerds because of your writer, Blake, who was writing a lot about these farming simulators. And I remember I liked, I read an article and I liked it. And I just kind of sat at my computer and I'm like, why are these fun? Why are these produced? These are games based on work. Not only that, there's so many of them. Like yes. there's just hundreds of them now. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's, you know, not only are there so many, like you're saying, but some of them are very critically acclaimed, like Stardew Valley. 
to a degree, you know, you've got ones that keep coming up every couple years, Farming Simulator, Mechanic Simulator, which I actually really like. And I mean, some of those get pretty hardcore into the actual work, like the actual work that you're you're doing in them. And I just kind of wanted to to delve into that. So as an icebreaker, I wanted to start by listing some of the weirdest simulators I've found, which not all of these are exactly work like employment related, but they're I think they're worky enough. So one of them that I found that I thought was hilarious was Robot Vacuum Simulator. What? Yes, you play a Roomba and you have to go around a floor and like suck up dust. And it's like first person, like you're on the floor and you have to avoid like table legs and go under <laughs> couches. Wait, hold on. Are you at least DJ Roomba or are you just a Roomba? You're just a Roomba. Okay, like, then that just blows. <laughs> the furniture looks Ikea-fied. No, it, it looks like Ikea furniture, so that's a plus. But okay. um, other than that, it looks incredibly boring, but it's got like four stars out of five based on like thousands of reviews. That's weird. So it has to be good. One of the all-time cult... No. It doesn't have to be good just because it is critically. That doesn't mean it is good. But so many users like it. There are a lot of fucking idiots in the world. (laughs) It's true. There's a lot of weirdos out there that like weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got. They just tapped into the Roomba fetish market, (laughs) and those are the only people that are playing it, and they're the only people that are reviewing. Terrible things are coming to my imagination, Leland. Just I'm saying, I'm sorry. Fetish market. Oh boy, I'll put a link. No. To the Roomba fetish Reddit and then no. the show notes if anybody wants to check it out. But <laughs> well, Listen Riley would be all over I that. Mean, I mean, I just have to leaf through some of my, my bookmarks on my, my, <laughs> my Google Chrome and find it just no problem. It's easy for me to link. I oh, just don't hilarious. understand why you would want to play as a Roomba. Like, I'm just, I, don't I don't understand most of these, Shannon, that I'm going to read to you. The, the next one on the list is very uh, acclaimed as well. The immortal goat simulator oh see that one's funny okay i have you played it yeah okay that one's funny it you basically i think you can like power up this goat like how it runs or jumps and like smash it through windows and yeah cars. well because basically it's a physics engine with a goat slapped on to, onto onto it that's 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 so the, where the enjoyment for that one is okay so it's like the rocket league of goats <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yes yeah yeah <laughs> But, like, out of all the ones I'm going to mention, this one is, like, one of the most popular ones. Like, this one is way up yeah, there yeah. in how well-known it is. On the flip side of not well-known, but uh, very relevant to Leland and I, because we have a big muddy river up here called the Fraser River, there is the Sturgeon Simulator, where you play slow-moving river fish. So you play as the fish. You play as the fish. And what are you trying to do? Are you trying to, like, spawn? Uh, yeah, and I think just eat, like, particles and, like, okay. other fish. Okay. I didn't really look deep into oh. it, but it's a fish simulator <laughs> where you're a fish. You're an ancient, slow-moving fish. And avoid avoid fishing hooks and stuff. And Don't try to make it sound more fun and, and involved and you have than to, it like, probably yeah, is. The, and, you know, it's got, like, minigames where you have to fight. If you successfully complete the minigame, you're not attracted to the lure and you don't get caught. And I think Leland should design these games. Boom. Easy. Uh, d- when you say the fishing game, like I assume it's like the Tamagotchi of fish. Like you just got to sit you there just and look take care of the fish. Sturgeon. <laughs> but like, who picks a sturgeon? Like you know, we grow up fishing for trout in lakes or rivers and salmon. Everybody knows salmon. 
But yeah, but sturgeon? it's because everyone you're gonna oh great a salmon simulator those are a dime a dozen you want the sturgeon the Cadillac of the fi- of fish <laughs> the Cadillac <laughs> of the fish <laughs> Cadillac of the fish maybe that should be the name of this episode <laughs> name. it'll be so intriguing. <laughs> The Cadillac Cadillac of of the the fish. fish. I am going to actually work with this. That's a good one. Um, That's hilarious, Leland. (laughs) Wow. I don't know how to follow that up. Again, that's very strange. I'll follow it up with the sequel, Tale of the Tilapia. (laughs) (laughs) That one's like an RPG and you level up the tilapia. Yeah, absolutely. You have to first escape, you know, this Chinese landlocked fish farm that's all terrible and overcrowded. You have (laughs) to swim up a pipe. And then you make it to like the Yangtze River. See, this this has legs. Well, fins, but this has fins. It's got fins <laughs> all over it. Yeah, that's got a story behind it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not the Tamagotchi of sturgeons. <laughs> that's now, just where I go. With I this think stuff. you're doing Tamagotchi a disservice there. Every Tamagotchi, everyone's Tamagotchi has their own personal story and trials and tribulations in which the owner and the Tamagotchi go through together. And that is what makes the Tamagotchi popular. (laughs) I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say Leland is not a good Tamagotchi taker care. Wow. Okay, look. Just because ultimately all of my Tamagotchi stories end in instant death does not mean (laughs) I would not make a good Tamagotchi parent or parent in general. How'd you do with the Oregon Trail as a kid? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Leland actually got me into the Oregon trail the zombie remake from like five years ago that's a good game yeah that one's a good one i like that i played that one before that was fun yeah he he kept dying of uh dysentery so okay so what makes these weird things enjoyable i mean you have in in here or what we're going to discuss is the staying power of these games well okay but i still haven't got to the oh three boy more okay that I all right do. i'm sorry so, <laughs> uh I, is I, it I just going got... to help or hinder answering that question uh, this could probably hinder, because these are three <laughs> of the weirder ones. Great. Okay, so we've all been stuck behind that demon vehicle, that street cleaning van or truck. So why not be it in the street cleaning simulator? Yes, they built a simulator for you to be a slow-moving street cleaning truck. Okay, okay. Now this one I, this one I, I understand, because How? this one boils down... To a logistics simulator. You know, the the, the, the street sweeper, they're going to have these hours of operation, which you need to maintain. And you need to get a certain amount of streets done in a certain amount of, in that time frame. How does the sweeper sweep all the lanes or just the most outside ones? Does it have to go sure. through the middles and then work, sweep the stuff it pushed from the middle to the outside, back to the outside, to the furthest outside of the road? I get this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe maybe people want to be, you know, street sweepers, and that's how they achieve their dream. You know, they didn't get it in real life, so they have to have a simulator. You could be onto something there, Shannon, because it does seem like there's limited opportunity. There's not that many of those going around. You know, it's. Uh, I'm sure it's a highly tenured position where you're yeah. a street cleaner for life. Well, as as far as the sanitation industry goes, I would probably say, yeah, it's... Probably a fairly clean job, all things considered. Yeah, you sit in a cab, you sure. listen to radio, you get honked at, and people giving you the bird, but you're safe in your cab. Okay, well, I threw that one out there. One of the more creative ones, this is the one on the list I most want to play, because I'm a sociopath. Uh, <laughs> no, it's Great called, thing to admit. <laughs> something to admit, live, I'm admitting it live. 
Okay, so this one is called Heartbreak High, the breakup simulator. And in this simulator, you play a playboy who is dating all the popular girls at school, and you have 24 hours to break up with them all. So okay. Sounds like something out of the Kardashians. <laughs> uh, well, so, I actually think my brother programmed this approximately so seven years ago. So for you, Moby, then this the interest with this one is strictly wish fulfillment. <laughs> that's why, wish that's oh, why that's you're interested in this one. I don't like to break up with people. Right, but you you want to be in that position because you've never been in that position. No, I have not dated all the popular girls at high school before. I can fully admit that. Now, I currently am. Don't (laughs) spread that one around. Leland, at your age. (laughs) What I just wonder with this game is how how is it hard to break up with people? I, I like... Like in a game setting, it's like, can't you just go to them and be like, click, we're over, click, we're over. I don't know. Sure, but I'm, I'm sure it has some type of point-based system where it's like... You're trying to salvage the relationship. Yeah, or maybe. something, or, you know, like, maybe it's a tool meant to teach young people some of these, these some social etiquette in this realm of social, uh, or of, of romance. But that's my question. Who's really playing this game? Is it a young kid who's playing this right, game? A teenager? It, or is it some 40-year-old guy on his couch? Right. Like, who never or, or is it Moby? Exactly. Was, <laughs> <laughs> it Moby? Hey. hey, I'm not 40. Yeah, not, not quite. Just, <laughs> I'm a few years away. <laughs> that's, yeah. a good, that's a good point, Shannon. Absolutely. But maybe that 40-year-old still needs to be taught that social etiquette. That's true. I would have hoped he has learned that by now, though. Well, <laughs> we know a few yeah. that are getting up there and, and need to learn this lesson. Keep hoping. Keep hoping. <laughs> um, the last one I got is probably the most specific. It is the YouTube Content Creator Simulator. Okay, that one is funny, and I totally get that one. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, because anybody... If someone is interested in becoming a YouTuber, why not go to this thing and see see what it's like? The art for that one is curiously comical. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very animation. So is it trying to satirize YouTube creators then? And it's making this comments the commentary about the realm of YouTube, which is definitely has its dark corners and ups and downs. <laughs> I, yeah, this is why TGON doesn't touch YouTube. Like we, we just we we don't play over in that realm because it's just it's too weird over there. Yeah, it is pretty weird, and it's also getting. I mean, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but it's getting progressively harder to be a content creator who doesn't get monetarily penalized by somebody. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. something Absolutely. that violates something. So, yeah, YouTube's got its own issues. Maybe we should touch on that at some point. Um, so that's all I got for the examples. And so let's dive into what Leland was asking. Why do we enjoy these games? And I don't know, Shannon, you've got some material there. Maybe you've spoken with Blake. Any ideas? Uh, yeah. So Blake and I were talking about this because, you know, she extensively writes all about all this stuff. And she says it, it's more of just it's an easy thing for people to get easy satisfaction from. Like just you farm something, you get something. Life's hard enough, but when you can make a bunch of farm equipment work or, you know, plants to grow, life is good. (laughs) (laughs) That is totally something I had in my notes too. Like I think like overall, these games give the players this like satisfy, the satisfaction that comes with a hard day, hard day's work. Whether that is manual labor or, you know, in a garage or, uh, maybe like a, a chef or something in the kitchen or whatever. 
I think that's the appeal for these things. It's like you feel like you accomplish something without having to accomplish something. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'm going to make this three for three here because I have the word satisfying versus fun, even though it the fun comes from the satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I look at Stardew Valley and to a lesser degree Harvest Moon before it because I played many of them. I like how the games don't necessarily rush you to any point, but they let you self-direct your own goals. You know, I want to build an upgrade to my house. I need like 100 hardwood plus 300 normal wood plus coal for some reason. And, you know, it's up to you to how fast you want to collect that or buy the materials or what. And I I like that kind of self-directed satisfaction. It's like self-paced. You can do it at your own time. You don't have to like, it's like some of those mobile games, you you know, you have to be back in 45 minutes to get your potion or, you know, sw- you know switch out your crop or whatever. It, a lot of these games, they play that you can just come back to it when you want to come back to it. Yeah. I've got a funny story because uh, my friend uh, Joe and I, and Joe's a very like, he's, I guess, a geek, but he's a very like stoic, like commander kind of guy, very efficient. And I remember we were doing this Stardew Valley multiplayer beta, and he's all about, like, maxing out everything. So I felt like a slave, like I was begging him to stop. He had so many crops that I had to water with him that we were, like, watering eight hours a day in Stardew Valley. I didn't have time to even start courting a lady in the town and give her any gifts, and suddenly I'm being invited to his wedding because I'm like, where in the day did you have time to meet (laughs) like marry a woman it's like year one i'm like when did you do this like and that's the other part of these games you know like you get to have these relationships so the people who don't you know who aren't really socially you know who are not socially going out and having those experiences in real life they can kind of learn to have those experiences through the game oh that's such a good point i really mean that i did not think of that at all but totally in a game like that if the generation to come is being taught how to form relationships <laughs> via Stardew Valley, then I am fucking terrified of the future of this world. I'm sorry. No, no, but my, the point, Blake brought this point up to me, which I thought was so poignant. You know, people who are dealing with mental illnesses and who are, you know, trapped like inside their houses and stuff like that, this kind of gives them an outlet because some of these games do go online. So where you get to do meet other people in, in on the online world and talk to them and build those kind of relationships. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I could totally see that. Um, Why aren't we having Blake on the show? <laughs> <laughs> you can have Blake on for a different episode. This is my episode. <laughs> Look at this, Shannon. He's trying to push you out the door already. He's trying to push you out in an ice flow. This is terrible. It's because I'm not wearing my I Love Leland t- oh, t-shirt. Yeah, that's sorry. the only reason. That's right. Well, you know, I hear the I Love Moby t-shirts are on sale right now. so my- They also come in extra, extra large because only Moby orders them. Oh, thank you, my friend. What a sweet friend you are. Say bye-bye to your brake lines. Ah. (laughs) Uh, Good thing I played Mechanic Simulator. (laughs) No, they're fixed. Exactly. Damn it. He always counters my Teaching me real-life skills. (laughs) It's good to know I'm going to kill him with this sturgeon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. You better watch out for that Roomba at late night. It's going to sneak into your bed. (laughs) 
but uh, no, I, those are those are honestly really points that I never even thought of. Um, like they can they act they can even be a form of like therapy for sure for people exactly. in in need of it. Autism is... anxiety, people with anxiety disorders. Yeah, absolutely. And I certainly think it's better than nothing. Absolutely, to have that online interaction. So does that come from being able to control the mundane, for lack of a better phrase? Yeah. It's more of just like the anxiety, like life is already hard enough making all these choices. And when you have the absolute control of choosing what goes where and how your life goes in these games, I think that kind of gives people a sense of relief. It's almost like a a medication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that is like I, I just I honestly think that's really good. And, you know, as someone who, you know, has a career um, like I do, where it's very writing intensive and idea based and marketing, I love to just kick back with a beer and do mechanic simulator and just fix brakes and do oil changes. And it sounds stupid, but it's relaxing. Again, it's at my own pace. And, you know, you just put some nice music on in the background, some chill tunes, and I find it really satisfying. Hmm. As well. Light some candles. So, well, candles and Break cars. Out the Vaseline. And, uh, <laughs> see i don't think that i am particularly drawn to these types of games as i have uh a, a, a manual labor day job and i don't yeah I, i've never i don't really play these games all that much um did you play farmville when it came out on facebook no i did okay not. that was the big thing like everyone's like oh i've never played those games so i'm like yeah you played farmville on facebook you're a liar <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, that's right. the same exact thing. Right. But I uh, am certainly a fan of Stardew Valley. But I think Stardew Valley just, it really it really has so much. More. Like, when I think of these simulators, I think of uh, much shallower depth than what Stardew Valley offers. Mm. Has that been your guys' experience in the, the few that you guys have played? Uh, well, I mean, like, in my case. Is, the- is Mechanic Simulator offering you as much as Stardew Valley is offering you? No, not as much, but okay. it's way more than you think. Okay. Like, you get paid for the jobs, you have a selection of jobs, you have to actually buy your parts, you sell old parts, there's a right. junkyard, okay. there's okay. a test track, okay. that all actually, kinds of stuff oh, like that. Now you're selling me on this mechanic simulator. <laughs> yeah, it's way more than just fixing stuff, so. Uh, and you do level up, so you take okay. jobs. Okay, okay. But wouldn't that be the same as like saying like Stardew Valley, you engage in relationships and besides building crops and selling the crops and doing, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's the same formula. They're just repeating it in different, you know, genres basically. Yeah. Right. And I think that kind of diversity of action is still important. You look at Stardew Valley with the system with the mines, that was so awesome to have a little bit of a combat element yeah. to it. Yeah, that was definitely smart implementation for sure. I mean, the other one that I have that I enjoy so much is The Sims, the various iterations of The yeah. Sims, um, which is just kind of living in everyday life, but it just gives you the chance to do crazy stuff like have a huge house party that you could never have in real life because you live in an apartment or, you know, with four hot tubs going and a burglar See, sneaking outside. See, Sims stressed me out. Like, I got to the point where I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to take care of my career and a baby. And i got to make sure my house is expanded and, you know, the backyard's on fire. Yeah, no, it just it stressed me out. I, at Man, least you... Farmville, it was like I had control and my brother could yeah. send me a pig when I needed it. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I never played any of the Sims games either. You know, I was I guess I have this question here. What would give these games staying power? I guess kind of what I mean by that is why do we stick to them? 
because I poured so many hours into these games, the three that I mentioned, I can't even really figure out why. It's because I think they've been around. I mean, people have to remember that Harvest Moon's been out since this, you know, um, SN, uh, the Super Nintendo. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's been around for a long time. So I think that these gaming developers have found a formula that works like Harvest Moon and Stardew Dally. And they're just they're capitalizing it and putting it in every genre that works. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. What I like, what I think is good about them, too, is they're very digestible. And what I mean by that is if you just have 15 minutes, you can play a day in one of these games. And then it's fully saved and very easy to pick up. Whereas yeah. in a role-playing game, if you're in the middle of a dungeon and you're going away for a few days where you can't come back to it, it, it can be kind of awkward to pick it up um, coming back. So... Whereas I think these games, because they move at their own pace and they can seem to always have very consistent saving, you know, that that makes it easy to get back to. And I think because they're coming out on so many different, um, you know, systems, like now we've got them on Steam, we've got them on all the Xbox, the PlayStation, the Switch, and now they're moving over to mobile. I think now with it, every you know, everybody's got a phone in their hands, so it's just becoming more and more easily accessible. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point, too. I think these games, how they're built, they also drive you to come up with your own goal for what's next. And even though you usually create that goal in your own mind, whether it's, you know, in The Sims, I want to get all these points, these knowledge and body points so I can get this job I want. Or like I said, Mechanic Simulator, you know, unlocking better cars to work on or Stardew Valley. So many things. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, yeah, it's just... Um, being able to set a goal and just follow that goal at your own pace is satisfaction. satisfying. Yeah. Kind of the final point I've got on it is what is the future? Where, where do we think this is going to go with future technology and uh, any ideas? I think these are going to be trainers for future jobs. Like this is how we're going to start training people to do like you're talking about mechanic simulator. I mean, yeah. how much more can you get hands you're one step away from hands on and most of these people are now having to learn especially a lot of them are doing virtual classrooms and online education this is like the way of the future is doing having an app and learning how to do it on the app and then having to go somewhere and show the skills in real life right and i've got a note on that there because i thought you know vr would be such a good fit with for example mechanic simulator and vr is starting to just crest huh. And so I, you know, I think my concern that I've got written down with the use of VR is that I could see these games cross a point where they do start to feel like work, where they're that realistic that you lose the fun and the relaxation. So I just wanted to throw that point out there. Hmm. So then you think eventually we'll get like two grades of simulators? I think it will split up into that point. I think eventually... They will be, like Shannon says, a really good tool to use, but they'll become a tool. And then you'll have these that stay kind of nostalgic or more fun. Like, you're never going to see Stardew Valley 2 or 3 become a hardcore farming simulator. <laughs> Are you sure I can't teach me how to hunt monsters in caves with <laughs> my sweet-ass sword and wicked boots that, <laughs> that protect me? But you might uh, train the next generation of street sweepers, though. That's true. That's true. 
Well, or if you, you know, the robots ever take us, we'll become Roombas and we, you know, have work for that. <laughs> oh, man. The Roombas enslave us to clean oh, the floors. Oh, no. Or, 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 like, the AI digitizes humanity's consciousness and puts us in a Roomba as penance for what we've done to the Earth. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is horrifying. It could happen. It's going to happen by 2043. Did you just check your watch? <laughs> I'm like, what kind of watch is that? Well, tell me the it's future. A it's a, very it's a fancy fortune tele watch. watch. Yeah. It's going to tell him exactly what's going to happen when. I just pushed a button and it spat out about a six foot long piece of paper that I had to read and digest. And that is the future. 2020, 20, what did I say? 2043. <laughs> that was 2034. 2043. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, All right. This is a weird conversation. Anyone have anything else on the topic? I don't I just, think so. I think these are kind of cool. They're they're fun games, and I think pe- people who are looking to relax and just want a little fun to have, those are the perfect kind of games for them. It, like I said, it just remind it takes me back to Farmville at Facebook. Well, and my takeaway or final point is a lot of these games are actually fairly inexpensive compared to other games. So for listener that has not tried any of these kind of games and just sees them and says, "Well, that looks boring. That looks dumb." You know, I would highly suggest you give it a try. I really think Stardew Valley is a great starting point. And from there, you can kind of get into, you know, other different genres. Yeah, there's tons of indie simulators out there. Blake's been covering at least one a week. And it amazes me each week she comes up with something new um, because there just there are a lot out there. Awesome. Awesome. Sweet. Well, Leland. Let's move into, how do you say it? Movie music. Movie music. I mean, it's no crazy about cardboard introduction, but whatever. So uh, we are going to be talking about season three of Stranger Things. Yeah. And I think we're probably just going to go like full spoilers for the whole thing, right? Yeah, I'm down with full spoilers. I'm down. kind of difficult to discuss the season in its entirety without spoiling it. Every twist and turn. <laughs> yeah, so if you haven't seen it yet, I would just you know stop listening now. <laughs> yeah, we got and come back later. Please. We no, we got your down. Yeah, okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we actually never did get around to speaking about season two on the podcast oh, at all. I had extensive notes while I was watching it because I expected us to, but we never it we just never came up. So uh, I'm excited to talk about season three because I actually liked season three. I think season three is my favorite of them so far. Nice. I agree with that. I thought it was my favorite, even though I feel like the plot, you know, we're, we're telling the same story over and over again. It it takes me back to that meme. I don't know if you guys have seen it where Joyce is standing there. Season one, you know, something's wrong with my kid. Season two, you know, we got to fix my kid. Season three, what's wrong with my magnets? Like it just it, didn't, it doesn't make sense. But would it make less sense if she was like, oh, my magnets are fucked up and brush it off? <laughs> like, w- w- like, would it like would it? Would no, it? But, like, where is this? Like that all started yeah. over magnets. Like, of course, like yeah. that's the starting point for her on that on right. that for the season is the magnets. And I just don't as a human being, I'm just like, how can you be so obsessed with the magnets? <laughs> because of the shit she's seen. <laughs> Well, she's definitely an odd duckling. Well, um, that's true. Yeah. That and is, so I mean, when, when Nona Ryder is basically her. displaying herself. <laughs> she kind of is. She's very that's good. That's true. I'm a little different than you guys, a little. I did think that 
season three blew season two out of the water. I still enjoyed all three seasons, but it, it was definitely better. Um, it is edged out slightly by season one for me. I think that just falls down a personal opinion more than anything. I, I felt that maybe season one was a little bit cleaner and more straightforward, which mm. I liked. I think I would ultimately have to revisit it to make a more profound opinion. <laughs> but just like initial, my initial impression as soon as I finished three was like, oh, I think this is my favorite. And I think what you're saying about that, it, the, 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 the cleanliness of season one is like it, it, it is very surface level compared to where we have reached now by the end of season three as far as the world lore that has been built for us. Yeah. So I think that inherently with this explosion of shit <laughs> that's getting thrown at us, inevitably things get a little messy. Can I ask you guys this question? Did you like the plot line more or the character development more? Because I thought the character development was way better in this season than all the other seasons before. I would actually go with the plot on this one that I liked more. Um, so here's the thing, and I, I don't want to jump into it just yet. There's character development here that I liked, but there's some character development that I really didn't like. And Leland knows that. Uh, I'll jump into that later. What was fun about this one was just how creative it was that they, you know, had these Russians building the secret lab below a shopping mall in the middle of Indiana. I thought that was great. I liked how the group split up and had their own things that tied together at the end. I thought that was great. Some of the core characters, I thought, continued developing in good directions. Um, but I do have concerns in the character area that, that make it so plots plots my favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mostly agree. Um, I think I, yeah, I think I enjoyed the plot over the character stuff because a lot of these characters I don't give a fuck about. And mm -hmm. what I <laughs> what I really care about is um, the upside down stuff, the mind flare and all this stuff. And I thought it was super cool that he was eating people basically and absorbing them. That was rad. Um, the ultimate, <laughs> the, the end result of that and how it was actually handled was not, uh, not really that great, but I like the concept and I think the concept is cool enough for me to, to enjoy it more than seeing these people interact that now nah, they interact the same way they've been interacting for three fucking seasons. In my opinion. No, I just, uh, there are some characters, I agree with you guys in some points, because there were some characters I was like, yeah, no, this is, this is crap. Like Lucas and the whole Lucas and Max dynamic, like yeah. what the hell was going on there? Were you together? Were you not together? Like, did I miss something between season two and season three? Like what's going on here? Um, but then I absolutely love the Dustin, Robin and Steve dynamic like that. Mm. And having Erica added to that little group that that was probably my favorite little group of duo going on, going on. Yeah, no. And that was actually a high point uh, for myself as well. I thought that group had really good chemistry. I, I forget the little girl's name, but she was great. I forget her name in the show because she really hasn't it's been. It's Erica, isn't Erica, it? Right? Like, Who's that? Who's Erica? She, I think she's Lucas I, sis, Lucas's Lucas sister. Oh, yeah, Lucas okay, is okay. <laughs> Sorry, the I, one who wow. likes free ice cream for the rest yeah, of her life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, she okay. was good. She was really you know, sassy. You know what? Yeah, I liked her too. But you know, I had no clue until she finally met back up with Lucas that it was 
his younger sister. Mm. Even though we've seen her quite like quite a bit, especially in season one, we saw her a lot. Uh, yeah, right? she was the bratty younger yeah, she saw sister. Two, two. She was in season two a lot too. Okay, well, season two sucked, and I basically push it from my mind, anyways. <laughs> um, there's a fuck lot, a load of stuff that's wrong with season two, and. They fix a lot of it, thankfully, in season three. Didn't make some of the same stupid mistakes, but there's still some stumbling blocks for season three. And to put everything I'm, I'm going to continue to say and bitch about in, in, in context here is I think overall Stranger Things is incredibly overrated as a TV series. So that's where I'm coming from. Season one was not the blowout, knockdown, amazing TV that everyone touted it as. It was just something that was different and it came at a time that it needed to come. And I think they, they did a great job. You know, it, it is a great show, and I think all of the the kid actors are all really good. And I think all the performance, there's not really a performance that you think, ah, oh, this is stupid or shitty or this actor is doing a terrible job. Uh, when, when I do think of that, like, uh, a la Billy in every scene he's ever been in from season two and three, it's because he's a shit, shit he's a poorly written character. He's a shit character. He's a useless character. His 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 sis Max is right. His sister, yeah, yeah. a useless yeah. character, useless. The only the only function Billy has ever served was to help help accelerate Steve's uh, character arc that I know Moby's not a fan of. But that was the only purpose Billy ever served. And oh great, the asshole from season two is continuing to be the asshole in season three. Yeah, yeah. Now he's it's, never uh, been my favorite character. He's a stupid fucking character. It's so stupid. And this, the, this, okay, so the beginning of this season three went a little too, it was a little too much for me about the whole, the, the kids being kids, you know, all this shit at the beginning. Like, okay, a little bit of it, okay, great. They're, they are, they, they are the age that they are. So, yeah, they're going to do, this is what kids, I guess, did in the 80s. What the fuck do I know? And I didn't give a fuck about, uh, any of their their relationships. I don't give a shit about Mike and Eleven. I, I just want to see Eleven fucking crush things with her mind. I don't fucking care. <laughs> um, I don't. I didn't give a shit about her and Max bonding, which I mean, I guess is, is I guess it's character growth for Eleven. But like, Eleven was never the her, the premise of Eleven's character was never in my mind meant to be a character that went through any real amount of growth. She is a plot device to be used and wielded as heavy-handed or as precisely as the writing dictates and the plot needs. That is... This is why these... I don't give a fuck about any of these characters. I don't know why I like <laughs> <Okay>. this show. <laughs> why why this do is I going want downhill I, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm spiraling here. And yet you here. sat and watched three seasons of it. Of course. That I... defines Leland Steele. That <laughs> defines Leland. Yet I sat through and watched it. That would be the name of his autobiography. <laughs> autobiography. Autobiography. Now, see, yes, what I was stayed. so funny is my husband, like, woke up that morning. He's like, all right, we're watching it. We got to watch it. And I'm like, we are in Tahoe at my mother-in-law's house she's never seen any of the seasons he's like making her watch it for the third season with us we binge watched it in a day and he got to the end and oh man it was like a riot broke out in the house it wasn't pretty <laughs> oh yeah is hopper your husband's favorite character so yeah because my husband does his hop pop and hopper cosplay which is a big funko hopper and uh yeah he was not <laughs> He goes, I only got to wear that costume twice, and now I'm not going to be able to use uh, it again. <laughs> so I, I think Hopper is also my favorite character. He was the only character I liked in season one because he was such a fucking badass. 
for half of season one. And then the last half, he just didn't fucking show up for some reason. But I liked this season. I love seeing the dad aspect him because I think the softness in it really helped the season after being so horror driven. I think this season was a lot more horror driven than the previous seasons. It was. And actually, I knew it was going to be because there's a lot of this show um, that is very intentional. And one of the very first scenes in the center of the background is a poster from John Carpenter's 1982 The Thing. And the camera's actually on it for quite a while. And I'm like, okay, this is where they're going to go with this season. Yeah, they did a lot of that with just every scene where they're at the, at the movie theaters, all these movies playing. You can just the main plot from all these movies that are up on the up on the showcase thing. Like, okay, great. This is this character, what this character is doing and what this character is doing. And that's kind of, I mean, obviously that was intentional. But like, it's like, ah, who gives a fuck about that? Just tell me a story about a character. Don't, I don't need... <laughs> you to ram this 80s nostalgia bullshit that I don't even care about down my throat to but to, I care, to show me the to reference the arcs and decisions these characters I don't even care about are going to make okay it's true but here's the thing if it wasn't shot in the 80s it would be a completely different series like we my husband and I were talking about the simple fact like you know, like we all have cell phones now. We would have called our friends and been like, yo, there's this thing down the street. It's taking over somebody. Yeah, but sure. back then it was Absolutely. just like, you were screwed. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certainly, I certainly don't mean to shit on the 80s setting in general as it does work. It makes this show what it is. And you are right. The show would not work in any, in any other time period. Like it just doesn't make any sense, especially season three, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, they're, they're able to, they're able to do a lot of 80s tropey stuff, which they did a lot in this season. Um, they purposefully. Did. Maybe a little too much, I think, to the detriment of a lot of some of the writing as it was difficult to discern whether or not the the decisions that some of the characters were making and some of the 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 like the plot, the whole like the Russians, like where did they get that like that's my one question where i just like we went from two seasons where it was the local government who was doing all this crap and now we've got the russians of all like where did the russians come from where were they last two seasons you know what it it honestly doesn't have anything to do with stranger things itself it has to do with this is an 80s trope like a major 80s trope that the russians did everything bad and i know because that's a subgenre of 80 movies that i have like most of them right and they're played like comical Russians. That's the thing. There's a little bit of an outcry about how the Russians were treated in this show. And I'm like, well, really? Yeah, there is. What they're saying the, all, you know, stereotyping. The Russian Terminator. Oh, well, yeah, and, okay. But it, what about Alexei? I thought he was like the best Russian out of all of them. All he wanted yeah, was the cherry so icy. I liked him, yeah. <laughs> he was the cherry icy. He was yeah. endearing. Oh, I just love when they went in that 7-Eleven and everything's like authentic 80s, like Doritos, Slurpee Cups, everything. I was like, I'm home. I'm home because I love the 80s. Oh, the one little thing was when uh, Lucas was drinking the new Coke and they were all the kids were giving him shit because he's like, why? How can you have the new Coke? It's a regular Coke. (laughs) You know what? That was awkward for me, that scene, because I knew that. There was a big thing where Coca-Cola is actually releasing new Coke on a limited edition basis. And I'm like, was this entire scene total product placement? Well, so was Baskin-Robbins. Look at all the Baskin-Robbins stuff that came out. Yeah, that's true, too. See, I I thought it was like a a, a farcical of it. Like, if if this series was being released in 85, this part of the series would be an advertisement. 
Oh. So I thought I took it as they were trying to be like do this stupid meta thing, which was dumb, uh, because it it came at a time where like Eleven is like bleeding to death, or isn't that right? Isn't she like already bit or something? Because they're going to the store to get supplies or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They were going to like, the supermarket. Why is this yeah. here right now? What is happening right now? So, so basically, then that must must mean that Scoops Ahoy was like a you know a setup for Baskin Robbins, and Baskin Robbins just wasn't around yet. So this is why Baskin Robbins got all the promo stuff when the new season <laughs> came out. Yeah, I, I guess so. I would agree. I felt the back to the future trope was like way too promoted. Like they kept going back to that movie theater showing different scenes. Um, there's well, dust- see, I, 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 and again, I took that as like, that was a big movie when it came out. Oh, and 85, I think yeah, yeah, was the movie. I think that's what they were trying to portray. And I liked it there. I just didn't like it there as much as it was. Hmm. We talked about this yesterday, Leland. When you only have eight episodes, I want max value for those eight episodes. Yeah. And Shannon, as an example, one thing that Leland and I agreed upon was that the early uh, season triest between Billy and uh, Mike's mom that goes nowhere. Yeah. That's really a waste of time. Uh, it is. And here's what I thought. I thought the fir- first few episodes were really slow. And we were dragging it out and we have this monster and it's growing. And then you finally get to like the last two episodes and you're like, holy shit, we got to wrap this up. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that too. You're, you're totally right. Egg. Like that was, that's basically what I was alluding to before of, okay, we've, this mind flare is pulling all these strings and manipulating things. And then, oh, it culminates into what seems to be just a mindless beast in the form of what the mind flayer is, like the form of this mind flayer. But like it wasn't, it didn't operate like it was an intelligent beast, no, right? Then it, it did not seem just like it was some like mindless monster. So was it not actually the mind flayer, but just the mind fly, mind flyer, uh, mind flayer's influence? Like it's not an actual uh, physical manifestation of this thing, is it? It's just literally. The corruption that it represents, which means, which would explain why it's not some intelligent being. Yeah, it was definitely a creation of the mind right. flare. Because yeah. I saw it too Because that's ago. the only way uh, What's-His-Face could feel that it was coming, because I think it had some attachment to that. Okay. Which, again, we talk about useful... So what fucking... Sorry to interrupt you, but what fucking purpose is it serving, then? Just to kill Eleven? That is all that this season is about. Yeah. Yeah, well, that Let's was do. what was the last two seasons about? Kill Will and kill kill Eleven. I mean, that's pretty much. Well, I, I thought how season two was goes. about Mindflare wanting to gain agency in the actual world, and he was using Will as a conduit to do so. Wasn't that what season yeah, two was all yeah, about? That, that's yeah, how I took season two. So then, okay, then in season one, season one had nothing to do with the Mindflare. I mean, the Mindflare and the Demogorgon are connected just because they come from the same place. Like the yeah, Mindflayer didn't create, I doesn't so. create the Demogorgon, right? No, I think they're two unique organisms. So you get this. So you, so like you mentioned, where's Shannon, the Daffa brothers when we need them? <laughs> I know, like you mentioned with the the oh season three suddenly there are Russians, kind of season two suddenly there's this other big bad, right? And then they used the demo dogs. I mean, they so season two like was basically a ramp up. It was an action movie. It was it was the difference between Alien and Aliens. Um, as far as uh, you know, the 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 enemy uh, increasing in numbers and and and, and, the, and the action that's portrayed and less tense and more 
you know, more thrill. And, and then, yeah, like you said, Shannon, dialing back season three and getting back to more horrific roots, which I think was a good choice. But I wanted like some invasion of the body snatcher shit going on. Like, uh, great. He's, he's like melted or mind melded with these people and taken them over and killed them and consumed them. And then they do fuck all. <laughs> like, what? So, what? You know what would be way more effective than a giant beast you can see coming from three miles away is a hundred regular people hunting these kids in a fucking town. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? Well, that was what Billy was saying all season. He knew he could see 11. And once he could see 11, he knew that was who he needed to destroy. So, like, the whole season was set up like, I need to destroy 11. Yeah. Well, and you kind of do get that zombie aspect in the early to mid part of this season. You get the setup for it and you get zero payoff is my problem. Is the execution of the concept was poor. Yeah. It goes back to it's slow, 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 slow. And then that last two episodes, they had to clean up everything and tie it with a bow. And yeah. it's like we weren't, sa- you know, we weren't satisfied. I feel like they do that. I feel like they did that definitely in season two as well. And so it's kind of become like a pattern. You're right. I mean, in season two, we we, we kind of hit the midpoint of that season. And then there are suddenly a million demo dogs running around Everywhere. And we had that horrible episode with the lost sister where Eleven... Oh, yeah, out. that was weird. I'm glad we didn't have anything weird like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Um, Just, you know, I felt Steve is my favorite character. Leland doesn't give a shit about Steve, but... No. Steve is Steve's my the- favorite character, but I felt they pushed him too hard into, like, the cushy daddy mode Steve. Just a little bit too far. Like, the thing is about season two is Steve was still a bad boy, and you still believe that he had this edge, and I don't really sense that edge anymore in season three. And now, see, I think I like Steve better in this season than I've liked him at all all the other seasons, because I just, I think seeing him in this role where he's, like, taking care of the kids and kind of being the babysitter that he is, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a nanny and it just resonates with me, but it just, I think... It made it gave it a softer edge, and I think this was a much softer. Like they were trying, like I said, trying to make it a softer season, but also bringing the horror aspect of it. Right. Well, I mean, what honestly, what they've shown with Steve is that who he is in season three was who he has been all along, and all this other shit was just a front he's been putting on. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got. That's especially what I got from season two. Well, and because one of the things every- you don't like, Leland, yeah. is how when the duffer brothers decided to make steve a good guy they just implant billy to replace him on a one-on-one basis right oh yeah yeah but billy's a douche like let's just be real like steve was never that big of a douche billy is just a flat-out asshole yeah and he should be and he should have remained so you're you're great shannon because you're reminding leland and i of this conversation yesterday leland the sympathy for billy unnecessary forced forced yeah it didn't make any sense i you know what it reminded me of at the very end where you know levin's like she she had blonde hair she was beautiful you like the waves it reminded me of like the scene in batman v superman with martha it's like really (laughs) just saying this one good memory that's a very good overwhelms billy's gestating demon that inside is a, that him. is a very good and again the the con like in bvs the concept behind that interaction that interchange 
makes sense, but the execution is ridiculous. Whereas it makes sense that Batman and Superman have, can, you know, this is something that they do legit have in common and could be and should be something that they would bond over. But in half a second, that's not how it works, right? That's not how. Well, in the mind flare through Billy should be at max power at that point, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and so if his power is really just, you know, if a cushy story can take away his power. Yeah. And you know what also is like ham fisted about that is like it's 11 that's reminding him of it. It Someone that has zero connection to Billy at all. Yeah. Uh, it's except, not even Max. It's not even Max. Exactly. Except through the Mind Flare. That is the only connection that Billy has to Eleven. It's just, I don't know why they bothered. Honestly, bothered. Like, that whole thing about her interacting with him and seeing all his memories of his mom. Wasted time. Mm-hmm. Filler time. Yeah. Um, not necessary. Billy should have just ultimately got absorbed by the Mind Flare at the very end. Once they think... The flare is down and done, and then it just kind of grabs Billy, sucks him in, and, and then we have another bit of a showdown or whatever, or something. I don't know. I was, I, I think I'm with Leland on this. I felt like there needed to be a bigger showdown and a bigger, like, kaboom at the end, where it was just like, oh, crap. <laughs> well, it was just, a, it was 20 minutes of fireworks being thrown at a stationary yeah, thing that that's just crazy. jitters around yeah. in it. You know, one thing I was missing, too, at the end was I thought when the American soldiers were going to storm the fortress, there were still some Russian soldiers left over. Mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be, like, this big gun battle that I was thought would be No, fast. you got to wrap it up. Like Shannon said, you got to wrap it up. <laughs> Come on. Snap, <laughs> yeah. snap, snap. You got to wrap it up. up. You only got five minutes. <laughs> That's why I feel like the ending with the whole Joyce Hopper and everything, I feel like that was so rushed and it could have yeah. done. They could have been done so well, so much better. Right. What did you guys think... Because I have mixed feelings, but strong feelings on the Terminator-like character they brought in. That Russian Terminator guy. Did, did any of you guys care about him or have thoughts? I on liked him? him. I thought it was cool. <sighs> now, that's one reference I can That's one of these references I can get down, down with. Though. You know what? I don't... I'll let Shannon talk first, then I'll get my two cents. I... Uh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. It just... That whole, that whole, it just, it, it caused a riot in our house. <laughs> really? Yeah. He, nobody was happy after, I mean, and the thing is, is thankfully I had a friend who texted me like, I know you're probably watching Stranger Things. Please make sure you watch like the end to the very end of that last episode, because I know Andy's not going to be happy. And I'm like, <laughs> oh crap. Like well, okay. I knew what was coming at that point. Sure. And yes, it was very obvious um, near the end that, of course, Hopper was going to "quote unquote" perish. And but I liked the the Russian Terminator strictly because of the opposition he served for Hopper. Hopper uh, has been portrayed as a very physically dominating force, and I just mm. thought it only made sense for him to come up like Hopper gets, he gets the his ass kicked out kicked out of yes, the true. whole season, and it's. Awesome. And I love it. I love every scene, every fight scene that Hopper is in. It's so good. It's like, oh, man, this is the Hopper I love from the first half of season one. Well, that's how I felt when Hopper, like, tools the Terminator in the the mirror room. But then, and had had he actually killed him just like that? I was like, yes, yes. But then, of course, he's wearing a bulletproof vest, which stops every single bullet. 
I'm like, but it makes sense, I, dude. He's a hired Russian killer. Of course, I know he's gonna have when some he's this Terminator guy. I thought it was funny how when Hopper puts his face into the machine, it like chips off the same flesh that Arnie had chipped <laughs> off, and like, well, also, also, um, like Hopper, Hopper can't best the guy on his own, right? No, he needs he needs to get it trapped in a mechanical facility so he can put it into a metal crusher and crush it, <laughs> crush the microchip yes, in again. his skull, right? Which is what the, the funhouse serves as. I don't know. I just I just really love that. That was like my favorite part. My favorite parts of season three was, was just all Hopper all the time. Also, the character I think his name is Murray, who speaks Russian and interacts with Alexi. Yeah, I oh, yeah. like I like where him and Alexi's bromance went. I really oh, do. Oh, I loved, I loved every scene with Alexi, Murray, and Hopper in that whole dynamic oh, yeah. in that little room. That was, like, the best. So good. That is probably my favorite character development of the um, season. And what it did was serve to make Alexi's death, which was in cold blood, more impactful on me. I was just like, shit. Like, for the first time, this guy's having legitimate fun. He's at the fair... He's never had a chance to be at a place like this. And just, like, the Terminator just takes him out. And uh, for me, that was kind of a sad moment. I know I'm jumping around here, but uh, Hopper's letter that David Harbour reads (gasps) to Eleven. Oh, that's all the feels. It hit so hard (laughs) in our house. Oh, Oh. because we're having a baby girl. So that that just it hit home for my husband just listening for, you know, for the sake of your old man, just please keep the door open three inches like that's like what else could he have tied it better to say other than like, I love you and, you know, everything's going to be all right. Yeah, I felt the letter seemed authentic to how Hopper would write it and very heartfelt and. I that's the closest I was to tearing up this season, really. I concur. Really, your heart of stone. It was penetrated. Oh. oh. What'd you guys inches. think of Robin this season? Because like, she was a new addition. I really enjoyed her character and thought she was a good counter against Steve and Dustin. I like where she ended. Um, I really liked her final few episodes and how her and Steve's friendship organically blossom, including. Like, they could have been so gratuitous or rushed with that scene with her coming out, but they actually didn't. I felt that was a really good scene because she had foreshadowed that she was obsessed with Steve before. And Steve's like, of course, well, you know, because just another girl obsessed with me. And yeah. you find out it's because, no, it's because the other girl liked Steve and she she was jealous of that. But yeah, I thought they I thought they made sense as opposite attract friends i really do i liked it what do you think leland did you like her i i did i think she was a good addition i mean she was a very necessary addition because uh steve and dusty certainly couldn't figure out any of that stuff on their own so (laughs) robin was a pivotal point in this season's plot and was necessary I just loved her her just comebacks and everything and uh, just how much crap she gave Steve. I just I thought it was a great balance between them. And then as soon as Dustin entered and Erica entered, it was like, oh, wow, the party started. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really good dynamic. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, I was surprised, Shannon. I don't know if you IMDB everyone or if you're one of those people like I am, but that uh, actress's name is Maya Hawk. I didn't even know she yeah. existed. But she's like the daughter of two famous actors. 
Yeah, we. I found that out as soon as because I I wanted to know more about her character. So as soon as I was done with the season, I googled her and everything, and I was like, "Well, that makes a lot of sense now." <laughs> well, and man, did she make me feel old? I'm like, wait a second, this girl's probably in her early twenties for real. This actress, and I remember like rooting for her parents when they were my age. Now, am I? I'm old. Well, Either you're old or her parents are old. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Quentin Tarantino, if you're listening, just for the, the like nostalgia of it, you have to cast Maya Hawk in your last movie, yep. in your 10th movie. In your last Star Trek movie. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uma Thurman's daughter. Oh, my gosh. So who's your guys' theories on uh, who's in the bunker? Uh, well, I mean, it's I've got it written right here. It's got to be Hopper. It has to be Hopper. If it was up to my husband, it has to be Hopper. Otherwise, right. he's going to start burning things right. down. There was rumors going around that it was Barb. So that's why I asked that. <sighs> who do you guys think's in there? Because there's rumors going around that it's Barb. But I did some research and Sean Levy, the executive producer, said in 2017 that that's not possible because she's dead dead. If it was Barb, that wouldn't make any sense as uh as far as i recall what we've seen of the upside down is literally like some weird mirror dimension of where you enter the upside down meaning the russians have been uh in this town much longer than uh before much well before the construction of the mall and said underground bunker for them to go into the upside down find barb take her out of the Upside Down, and lock her up in Russia. <laughs> okay. Right? That doesn't make any fucking sense. No. I do have... I just a... want to know how they got to Russia. How did we get from Indiana to Russia really, really fast? Look, the Russians, some underground tunnel? The Russians like, have always on? been here, okay? If it's not Hopper, which clearly Harbor will be back because it's stupid to kill off Hopper. If it's some other person, I don't know who else it would be other I, than... I have a Dark Horse candidate. Okay, but great. I, I, but uh, let me finish my thought here. If it's not Hopper, if it is your dark horse, then Hopper needs to be somewhere in the Upside Down. He needs to have, oh shit, jumped through the little crack that they had open a little bit into the Upside Down, and that's where he is. Solved it. My dark Hopper horse... in his Magnum P.I. shirt. I love that shirt this season. That was like <laughs> that the was best good. shirt ever. That was good. That was good. And I do like how one of the things I was concerned about was how he had become too docile in my mind. Like, yeah, he's pissed off all season, but he'd become not as dangerous in my mind. But then came the two last episodes where he's like just mowing people down with right, pistols right. and machine guns. Well, and and even even uh, early on in the season, his first confrontation with the, the Russian Terminator, when he's got the gun to his head and tells him, drop it or I'm going to shoot, like Hopper shoots. Right, he was not going to hesitate to shoot like that. What solidified? Okay, yeah, he's he's Hopper. He's Hopper. He's still Hopper. <laughs> What's your dark horse? My dark horse, and he may be dead, and I just can't remember. But is Martin Bremer? The, oh, the scientist who's disappeared for like the whole season, who was Eleven's um, Papa. 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 Ooh, that's the only other person I that can actually think of would be like. cool. That would be. That would actually. I would like. That. And, and my thinking behind that is that the Russians captured him to get his help to develop the right game their own in attack the first place, and all of this information that the Russians gained, a lot of their intel would have come from him. Right. And so then, when it fails, like a year before, 
Um, they gen, you know, throw them into gulag, which is what they do with failed scientists. Right. That's my my thought. That's cool. Or they have the Russian snap their neck or choke them. Either or. Oh. I would have thought Brenner would have gone and helped them, like to save his life. He'd be like, "Yeah, sure. Here, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll do whatever you want." No, I know, so I know, but what happens is you see in the very opening scene of this the season that mm-hmm. when that machine fails, the Russians immediately like you know wipe out the scientists. Yeah, you know the head scientist and, then and second in command. Comes second in command here, you've got a year. Dog, yeah. So they'd be pretty ruthless, and I could see them thinking that Bremer had failed them with that first machine. Right. So right, but it would it would kind of make sense that they didn't just outright kill him as he still does have knowledge that is sure. useful. Sure. Okay, so I think I think it's just kind of dawning on me now the 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 expansion into the whole Russian conspiracy shit for season three. I assume that it's really to show us that the events in this small Indiana town are are not isolated. They they you know they they did mention that the Russians have found these weird thin veils between the two dimensions and uh, maybe the the their strongest uh, in the specific spot in this town or whatever. So like the upside down world is like as vast as our world, I think is what it's trying to portray. And then, yeah, you just factor in, Oh, it's set in the eighties. Of course the antagonist is going to be Russians. <laughs> right. And then, you know, uh, the touching on the commentary, how, you know, the, every decade or two decades, the Russians come back and they're our enemy again. And I say our as colloquially, but <laughs> as you know, up here in the old great white north, we're not quite as uh, red scare weak, I guess. I don't know. You know, what do you think of that? Is it, that's was some, it, is that's it, some deep thought there, is buddy. It pur- is it purposeful that, is it not just the 80s aesthetic, Russians and 80s go hand in hand? Or is it supposed to be like some some greater comment on the state of the world? I don't think so. I don't want to give the Duffer brothers that much credit. (laughs) I think they just went heavy on the 80s nostalgia like we were talking about earlier. And they just they they had to find a bad guy. And at this point, they've done demi dogs. They've done a demi gorgon. What more can they do? So here, let's throw some Russians and this thing blob that eats people. Yeah, that was I, I enjoyed it. I really liked the set and production design for all the labs, especially the first russian lab with all these reel-to-reel computers going and um man they're like production values and colors and uh computer graphics everything is just so gloriously good Mm -hmm. in my mind yeah so So. where did we ever find out where the fuel source for the machine the rift opener came from uh well they're drawing electricity from all over the town right but we have those canisters of the goo that is very intensely oh, yeah, caustic that. no those things power i don't the think machine. we ever did it so, was like acid acid crap that yeah, they had yeah, yeah so we had, we don't know where that stuff comes from no and we've never seen that stuff before so clearly this is something the russians have developed uh based on some type of intel that they've gained from brenner maybe perhaps <laughs> or something i don't know but maybe not because we never saw brenner using that stuff or it, it, did did it arise from the need of of something needing something stronger after eleven closed the gate? I would assume that. Yeah, I I found the very like the very ending of this season remarkably similar to the ending of season two, 
It's like, you know, season two, you've got 11 levitating right towards a crack that looks almost the exact same, and she's sealing it up. Right. And in this one, it's just the same crack, but you're just waiting for Joyce to decide to flip the keys. Right. But it's the exact same situation, except the monster in that case is the the gate opener. Mm -hmm. It just seemed very familiar to me. Yeah, I could see that. How come turning off a machine overloads it <laughs> like, why why does no but uh, like, because like wasn't that. the first time we saw it happen because the machine like uh, it, it was it, it drew too much power right it did overload isn't that what happened the very first in the first you know where we see the russians experimenting in russia and we 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 it, we've our first um sight of the effect of this machine so then you know it's the foreshadowing and the lead up and you're like oh god hopper's gonna disintegrate blah blah blah. why did turning the key do the same thing I, i'm confused about that but re- if you remember in the episodes before alexi and murray were talking about how yeah the machine can be turned off but it's going to be used oh, again and again right, to reopen right. it so therefore That's we need to murray destroy it and the only okay. way to do that was to turn the both keys at the same time on full power because it would oh, okay. overload it to explode. Right, right, right. That's okay, right. yes. Thank That's you. Right. Thank you. Okay, good. Whew. <laughs> it was that cherry icy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just one thing that bugged me. I feel like we're so negative about a se- season we really like. But I was really bugged at, in the final episode, how Hopper and Joyce and Murray... Like, so Hopper takes his machine gun and he wipes out a bunch of guards. And then they put on their guard uniforms. And there's bullet holes on the guard uniforms, but, like, no blood on any of them. I'm like, you were just hit with, like, a 7.3, you know, millimeter full full leather jacket round. This would not work. Those uniforms would be absolutely blood splattered. Yeah, disgusting. I'm not usually a stickler for details like that in fantasy shows i really try to get past it but it was almost worse seeing the bullet holes there and no blood for me because they right. reminded me that these guys yeah. were shot but there's not a drop of blood and i was like oh. right do you think we needed the scene of them gaining entry because of murray murray's quick wit and them wearing the uniforms like was that scene necessary could that have just been completely avoided by not having that scene at all it was a fun scene. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it was unnecessary. It was fun, you know, and vodka yeah, yeah, and yeah. stalagnaya. Right. It's like, oh, I, I guess I, I can see humor. that portraying into the, the Russian stereotype criticism, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm that starting, would be, yeah. I'm starting to see it a lot more now. <laughs> so what do you guys want to see from a season four? Shannon. And or season Hopper. five. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Hopper needs to come back or, or my house will not be a happy house. I, I think for season four, I would like to see, okay, like, is the upside down officially closed? Like, now are we just dealing with these Russian idiots who have decided to take our, like, I'm not sure where they're going to go. Like, are the Russians going to open the upside down? Are they the controllers of the upside down? Like, I really honestly don't know what they're going to do from here. My feeling is, first of all, the Russians are definitely going to be in season four. My feeling is that that monster that eats the scared Russian prisoner at the very end, it seems to be like a hybrid between a human and like a tadpole thing that like Dustin used to have. That's my guess. Oh, like yeah. it walks the like a human. Demo. 
But its face is like that tadpole thing. So I believe that you're going to get a story of Russians having done crazy experiments to, like, make this chimera. Oh, um, That's yeah. where I think they're going. That seems that. logical because I don't want to see another science facility working with some crazy machine to open up a rift to the upside down world <laughs> we've seen them for three fucking seasons yeah but then how are they going to get the other kids to russia is my question like what is hopper going to bust out of there and machine gun everybody and like come <laughs> yeah, back to india and be like the russians are screwing everything up you guys i wish <laughs> we gotta go save the world <laughs> i wish maybe maybe levin's gonna go on like a, a mountain uh mountaineering trip just maybe. near the well, Russia, she needs know. to go on some type of pilgrimage to get her powers back, so she could end up. Oh, in that's Russia. right. <laughs> that is right. Yeah, I totally forgot that she doesn't have her powers yeah, anymore. She's so she's a little weak. So she's a useless character again now. She's not a plot device to be wielded, as I had previously said. So what's her point? We may as well just kill her off, right? Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far, Leland. We don't I need any of these kids. Ways How to... about we just get rid of all of the kids, right, and just have like a new cast? Yeah. Uh, no. Just keep Hopper, and we'll, we'll figure yeah. out what Lynn, what he's doing with the Russians. It's gonna it's gonna be called Stranger Things. Stranger Things, Hopper, and that's <laughs> by the time four. season four comes around, they'll barely be kids, Leland. <laughs> yeah, well, like, exactly, exactly. They got, they're all disbanded. They're all you know moving on. Working now. stiffs, college educated. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like it chapter two. Exactly, <laughs> we'll see them as, he, exactly. as adults in thirty years. I don't yeah. I don't want anything from season four. I was perfectly willing to accept that this would be the last season of this show and it i could was ha- too i thought it, it was. could have been it could have been without all this bullshit uh the 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 russian gulag and the weird monster thing like shouldn't what how, how much better would you feel about the show if this was just it if they just like yeah let's let's call uh it. well i would want a much better ending i'd want another episode just to tie yeah. it all up but Really? Oh, yeah, I, don't know. I, I could have handled with this being the end, though. Yeah, I think they should have just cut yeah, it off. I, I think I'm with Moby on this one. I think if they had one more episode, cleaned it up a little bit nicer, told me what ha- happened to Hopper, then I would be okay. And I'd be like, okay, all right, dust my hands off. We're done with Stranger well, Things. Move on. You're out of the fan club, then, if you agreed with Moby over me. Oh, but we know Hopper got disintegrated. Screw you. <laughs> Hopper's disintegrated. <laughs> no, we don't need not. any of this extra we bullshit. We never saw him he's disintegrated. Gone. We, we never need saw to it. see him. They we know what the machine does. Edited so you don't see of him. Of course. Die. We know what the machine does. He's gone. No. Don't tell my husband that. <laughs> this is in a, a idealistic parallel world that this show is now over. Done. <laughs> Just ended. Leland wants it done. <laughs> I just think they've you know written you're gonna themselves. Get one you're going to get at least one more season. Yeah, I think they've just written themselves into a terrible corner. Well, I mean, here's where I'll agree with you, Leland. The thought is, do they go one or two more seasons? I really think they should only go one. Like, well, I've seen most. talks of at least season five, but who knows? <sighs> who knows? Ugh. I think only one more season. It's like some of these shows, you know, like they get to the to the end and you're like, okay, you probably should have ended last season. Like you shouldn't you really shouldn't have done this. It's like those reboots that they bring back the old shows from like that we grew up with. And you're like, no, you should have just left it back where where you found it. Should have left Roseanne Barr back in wherever hole she had crawled into once. (laughs) But guess what, friends? You're going to feel that way after season four of Stranger Things when it's done. Just saying. Should have took Leland's advice and ended it with season three. Well, if it was up to your advice, it would end after season one. So, 
Uh, well, it's certainly, I certainly would have canceled <laughs> after season two. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Season no, two but was I, atrocious. I think Leland is right. It, Stranger Things just came out at the right time when we needed a good, good new content. We were missing Game of Thrones. Life sucked. We need something good and exciting. So we attached ourselves to Stranger Things and we thought, wow, this will be the next greatest thing. And now we're paying the prices of Netflix. Right. It was the the series we needed, not the one we deserved. Still haven't gotten it. (laughs) (laughs) We want some final final thoughts if we each have our final thoughts. My final thought is I enjoyed what I saw, but as we just talked about, I don't want this, as uh, Bilbo said in The Fellowship of the Ring, to turn into too little butter spread over too much bread. Like, we're getting to the point where I really want this to end after next season. I, I really mean that. Or else I think this is a show that has an extreme danger of overstaying its welcome. Uh, oh, I, don't, I go next, so yeah. we possibly don't end on a sour note. I, like I said, I I, I quite enjoyed this season. Um, I am a fan of the eight episodes. FYI, Netflix, I know you're listening. As you always are. But like you said, Moby, like they need to be used to their fullest potential. As you do have a limit, uh, there are good and bad sides to both scenarios, obviously. I I enjoyed, I certainly enjoyed Hopper's performance. While I don't necessarily care about any of the characters, I don't think any of their performance performances like take away from the show in general. Uh, except Billy. Billy, you suck. I'm glad you're dead. So I would, I, I mean, obviously I watched season four, but I really think like this should, they should just end it with this. Boom. Done. I, I agree. I just wish that like we didn't slowly go through it and then tie it up with about the last two episodes. They should have used it to all their potential that they could have. Um, and I have to say like Robin, Dustin and Steve and Erica team MVP for me for this season. Like they did amazing. Um, but they have to bring Hopper back if Hopper has to come back. That's just my final thought. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'm awesome. down. Good. Uh, end of show stuff. So, Hannah, why don't you give us some pluggy plug plugs again? So, you can catch me and the rest of my staff at thegameofnerds.com on various social medias at The Game of Nerds. We are a place where there is no shame in having an unhealthy obsession about a fandom, and we are always looking for new writers, so feel free to email me. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming back, Shannon. It was fun as always. It was awesome. Oh, I'm I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. And like I said, I will be back in the new year. And hopefully, uh, hopefully you won't hear a screaming baby in the background. <laughs> no, you will be back in the new year for sure. And I can't wait to have you back on. And Leland begrudgingly, in his deep heart, he wants you back on. Absolutely. Right? Yes, you are. Fantastic guest. Always enjoy having you on the show. Um, the only screaming we need around here is from me. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll do, our, I'll do our end of the show stuff. Uh, you can find our show notes and some of our written content at ttpopcast.com. I'm on Twitter, just Leland Steele. Uh, Instagram for ttpopcast. Uh, we got a Facebook page. We're everywhere. Find us on Stitcher and iTunes and uh, where else are we? Uh, you know, Spotify. Uh, you on yeah, Twitter. we're, we're all over the place. Me. Uh, I've been Leland Steele. I've been Moby. I'm Shannon. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye bye.